0: Please, I don't want to die. You're not gonna die. Don't no, let, let me fall. <laughs> Matheson has been transferred from the Denver office to Frisco, and as a professional courtesy between offices, I was asked if he could hitch a ride. You've got plenty of room. Be glad to accommodate you. <laughs>
1: We just got an emergency call at five climbers to stranded off Cone Bluff.
0: I haven't climbed in months. You just lose the feel. Maybe you mean the nerve. Where's the helicopter? What the hell's going on? What are your names? Tucker and Walker. Well, Tucker and Walker, we're missing three bags. What's in them? None of your fucking business! Futs! Where is the money?
1: Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Namey Network, and to find more from us, check out the website themainnamey.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call Us a Movie. This is Anthony DelVecchio, with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, sir.
0: Guys, I think I'm going to take up mountain climbing. What do you think? You think that's a good way to get gains, Dan?
2: Do you have the type of triceps that Sylvester Stallone has? (laughs) I mean, I could. Maybe, because, I mean, those
1: triceps are something to behold.
0: I've never actually (laughs) mountain climbed before, so who knows?
1: I think you have to get the gains before the mountain climbing. Yeah, you're putting the horse before the cart, I think.
0: (laughs) Got it. Got it. Gains first. Gains Gains first,
1: first. Crazy mountain climbing second. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> so gains, then mountain climbing without a rope. Got it. Yeah. Yes.
2: Well, is that is that free climbing, I guess? Free soloing. Free yeah. soloing. Is that how it, it's labeled? I was going to say free basing, but I think that's more drugs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I get those confused. <laughs> drugs, mountain climbing, with, you know,
1: it's a different type of high. It's got to be high on life, bud. That's right. Yes. That's the movie that we watched. But before <laughs> we talk about that movie, Uh, Guys, what have you watched this week?
2: I went on a little bit of a uh, Sylvester Stallone kick. So I watched uh, Demolition Man. I watched the original Judge Dredd, which was awful. And then I watched this movie, uh, Cliffhanger. But I had a question for you real quick. We can make this super quick or however long you want to do it. I was watching Demolition Man, which stars the one Wesley Snipes as Simon Phoenix, Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, Simon Phoenix doesn't get a whole lot of credit as like a really good bad guy.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And it made me wonder, who else doesn't get enough credit as a bad guy, do you think? Mm. Eric Qualen. (laughs) Eric Qualen. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: That's your answer? (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: from Cliffhanger. I feel like he's more of a a bargain bin Hans
1: Gruber. (laughs) That's probably pretty true. (laughs) <laughs> mark what do you yeah, think
0: I, I i was trying to think of something first thing that popped in my head speaking of sylvester stallone was maybe robert loge over the top
2: Ooh, <laughs> because he's more like just he's a a money hungry guy yeah he's, he's just a, he's mean yeah.
0: yeah but he's pretty good i guess he'd be more of an antagonist than a villain maybe and yeah. yeah yeah i think
1: I, we covered that movie on this podcast and yeah. we were all kind of like i see where he's coming from yeah
2: He's trying to take the kid away from a guy who goes on the road arm wrestling people,
1: (laughs) abandon his kid, and just drives a giant truck all all year round. Right, it's not really a place to have an education.
2: (laughs) It's it's pretty much like Captain Fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah. The grandfather wants to take the kids. Like, listen, you have them climbing mountains in the rain. Maybe I should take them because I'm incredibly wealthy and I could give them a good uh, a good home and all that.
1: And then but, Stallone's uh, all like, well, how's he going to learn how to home wrestle? <laughs> you don't need that. <laughs> That's such a specific... Skill that you're trying to teach him. It at the, might at the not pan out. Of all other skills. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, it might not pan out. He beat another kid <laughs> in arm wrestling, which is fine, but you're really putting all your bet your eggs in that one basket. <laughs> arm wrestling is the sport of the future, dad. <laughs> Can you imagine if that were true? Like, oh the, the numbers have been spiking in the arm wrestling surrogate. Viewership is through the roof. <laughs>
1: Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't really. I'm not. I'm not coming up with a good one,
2: to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I I just thought Simon Phoenix was played by Wesley Snipes was so good. He doesn't care. He's crazy. He knows karate. He knows. Or he knows martial arts. Uh, he plays very well off of Stallone. He has some pretty good. Some pretty good catchphrases. One of my favorite. And I, I totally forgot about this. Was the uh, when when Phoenix is in the museum looking for a gun. And someone comes up to him, like, oh, excuse me, citizen, uh, what appears to be your boggle? I'm like, my boggle? <laughs> the, the way he says it is so good. I love it. Yeah, he's he's such a good, I mean, I love Wesley Snipes to begin yeah. with, and he's awesome in that movie.
0: That character's name is lived on through all of my rock band band names of being <laughs> Simon Phoenix. and.
1: Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> is that all you watched this week there, Dan?
0: I
2: actually watched one more movie. I watched Unhinged, the okay. Russell Crowe movie. Sure. And yeah, Crowe is he's very convincing at playing a psycho. <laughs> he he has that down pat. It's kind of weird seeing him so overweight in a movie. Because I'm I'm used to seeing him like in Gladiator. He's very you know, he's not like buff or anything like, like that, but he's in good shape and he's cut. Yeah, yeah, he's cut. And most of the other movies, like Cinderella Man, he's in good shape. Master and Commander, he seems like he's in good shape. And here, he's just like he's got to be like three hundred pounds. <laughs> he's he he put on a lot of weight. Yeah, it's it's a very um, it's a very over the top movie. I was thinking like, oh, what if we covered this movie? But it's it's kind of it hits a little too close to home in this day and age. I think. Okay where it'd be kind of tough to really make fun of it. Gotcha. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, I mean, if you guys see it and you think, oh, then you, maybe that would be a good one. But you, I'll leave it up to you guys.
0: Gotcha.
1: Oh, what about you, Mark? what did you watch this week?
0: Outside of our normal Falcon and Winter Soldier that I that watch every week. This weekend, when we record this, not when it actually airs, was the good old WrestleMania took place. I'm not going to get deep in the wrestling talk, but I spent seven hours over two days watching one good night of wrestling, one awful night of wrestling. That involved a one night a girl sitting on top of a, a box with a really poorly set up crown that was supposed to make it look like she was bleeding, but it, when they zoomed up on her face, it was just gushing out. They put too much pressure in the hose. Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> wow. So it just looked terrible. It looks like all this production value and that close up just makes it look like a high school play. That's about all I watched. Like I said, I don't I don't go. My time is not spent watching movies um, as you as your free time is. So um yeah yeah i so, feel like uh, that's a little bit of a dig no i <laughs> know my free time is i can tell you all the video game youtubes i've watched if you want me to uh, <laughs> I, I, I i thought
2: it was like oh i, I don't spend my free I mean, time I, I, I can go on
0: for 20 minutes about you know why can guys play zelda randomizers and,
1: and <laughs> no we don't need to do that <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I like to just keep it to what we talk about here, except for the WrestleMania. But that's once a year. Right.
1: As for me, I watched a few movies, actually mostly documentaries. Uh, the first one was the WeWork documentary on Hulu about the WeWork CEO who basically defrauded his entire and <laughs> all his investors and then was able to uh, get like $40 million out of all the Adam Newman. Uh, it was an interesting story. Kind of a real prick, almost a cult, like that close to being a cult, <laughs> but they ran out of money. They, they burned through $47 billion in six weeks. Oh God.
0: Ooh.
1: <laughs> well, yes and no. It, it, like, did it real? So they got, so they, before they went public, they were valued at $47 billion, gotcha. but basically because he created his own metrics for how well they were doing. It was basically like there's certain things like how you could figure out if you're profitable or not. And it was like, but then he was like, well, we have our own metric and it's this. If you take out th- this, this, this money, spend, this money we 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 spend, then if you don't look at all of that stuff, then we're making money. <laughs> <laughs> he he played by his own rules. Right. Yeah. So that was interesting. That led us to eventually watch, rewatch the fire fest documentary because it's similar the similar it's built around a similar character basically and that guy's a prick oh, yeah. <laughs> and then something super light was the orange ears on Hulu which is just basically about the early years of Nickelodeon centered around the CEO of Nickelodeon around that time. And just basically how creative forward thinking she was and how she allowed people to basically create for a young audience. And it just, it was nice to watch because it was like, Oh, now they're gonna talk about all that, or like now it's Pete and Pete. They're talking about Pete and Pete, or Nicktoons. It was cool. It was funny to see Doug because the creator of Doug is basically Doug. Just basically it's his real life. Yeah, more or less. Like if there was an eleven-year-old version of this guy, it's Doug. basically. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That yeah. was my favorite show. I loved Doug growing up. It yeah. was it was like Doug,
2: Rugrats. All that I loved all that, and i the one show I probably hated. On Nickelodeon was Hey Dude.
1: They talked about Hey Dude. They had they had Christine Taylor, Ben Stiller's wife, on there talking about it. Mm-hmm. They had like, they had a lot of people on there. So she was there to talk. So what else did they talk about? They talked about Nick Arcade. They talked about Pete and Pete. Nick Arcade. I about, about that. Your shorts all the good stuff they started from the very beginning before before even like you can't do this on television was on there they start they start back there it was fun to watch keenan keenan kell were interviewed for it yeah so where they got their start yep yeah. yeah keenan's doing stuff he's on he's yeah. been on snl for like 20 years almost has he it's like wow. up over 10 years i believe feels like that's a little long Right? Do people usually last that long? Usually not. Usually right. not. So like Tim Meadows was on for a really long time, and like Daryl Hammond was on for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Kenan the it's,
0: not not a, kind of a dig at Kenan Thompson here, but the the successful ones don't last that long on there. He's tough. been a
1: cast member on SNL for 18 years. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a while.
0: Yeah, like you run off those names, Ant. Mm-hmm. And none of them have been more than character actors, if anything.
1: Right, it's true. You
2: know. Well, it's weird because Keenan kind of had his fame from an early. See, I mean, he was a lead, a lead actor in some movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think just what the Good Burger movie. Good <laughs> Burger. But I mean, he was in Mighty Ducks. He was in a. He was in a couple things, I think. So his fame started early on, and then I guess he kind of just disappeared for a bit, and then came like had a resurgence with SNL, and I guess now he's like. Top dog there, maybe. I, I don't. I would assume if you're there 20 years, you're probably one of the bigger, bigger names.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to see where he was. Like, yeah. I can't because yeah. I can't do the math when he started on SNL.
0: <laughs> I, I was holding my breath that you weren't going to say the uh, Secret Life of Alex Mack because I would have to walk off the show.
2: Really, <laughs> and there
0: was one show I really hate it. And I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. This,
2: I, I've never watched the Secret <laughs> Life of Alex Mack. I didn't like. Hey, Dude. I didn't like Clarissa Explains at all, either. That was more like Nick at Night, I think. That
0: was more the teenage programming.
2: Yeah, so I yeah, was teenagers. teenagers. Yeah. Salute Your
1: Shorts was great. I love that. Yeah, I love like, Nick.
0: Yeah, that was it was cool. Clarissa and 15 were more
1: of the older. Oh, they did list. not They did not mention 15. Or Welcome Freshman. Remember Welcome yeah. Freshman? I yep. don't remember that. <laughs> Welcome Freshman, I think, was a sketch comedy show, but it was yeah, centered maybe, on like a, a high school.
0: Yeah, my okay. sister was obsessed with nickelodeon back then so all those little shows because kids incorporated was nick right
1: no that was disney disney
2: okay I'm trying to think if i can remember any other like as you got like uh later you had a ah, real monsters two was it two angry beavers angry cat, beavers cat angry dog. Beavers, cat dog yeah it got oh rocco rocco's modern life rocco was like that. the
1: fourth nicktoon i think so it oh. was like right before our real monsters ren and stimpy ren and stimpy was one of the original three yeah, I, Rugrats, Rugrats, Doug and Ren and Stimpy. Man, I wasn't allowed to watch that show as a kid. My parents were pretty, uh, pretty
2: loose. They let me watch watch that. You're lucky. I I would have to go to my cousin's house to watch that, and uh, I turned out just fine. I think.
1: <laughs> I I loved Rocco. Rocco was my favorite. Yeah. Rocco was so surreal. It was great. Yeah, and that's all I watched. We're going to take a quick break before we talk about this week's movie, and we're going to listen to some ads so we can help pay those bills. So we will be right back. And welcome back. And Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Dan's pick. So, Dan, why don't you introduce this week's movie?
2: Sure. Uh, I chose the classic 1993 action suspense. Is it a sports movie? Because I guess cliffhanging is a sport. I don't know. It's more action suspense, cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone.
1: Okay, now cliffhanging, I don't think is a sport. Rock climbing, though, it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, guess, I mean, he climbs a couple mountains in this. Yeah. Oh so. no! Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't so, do it. No, I don't think I. I can't imagine I would get very far. <laughs> To be honest with you. And he does it all without any oxygen. No one does it with any oxygen in this movie. Or a jacket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: He just, just a light sweater. That's all yeah. you need when you're climbing the Rockies. It was a magic sweater, too, because like hypothermia immediately stopped when he had a sweater on. That's right. I remember that. <laughs> he comes in like on death's door and then just an old,
2: it, it was an antique sweater. It was in a glass case. Yeah. It's, that's all it took. Well, it was it was all the gains. The yeah. gains kept him warm. Yep, pure beef. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: well, he had all that training in Siberia. So that's True. that's, oh,
2: that's, that's true. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he had a badass beard in this movie. That would have been even better. But no, just clean, clean shaven Sly is what we get.
1: That was the 90s though.
2: Yeah. 90s that's was clean shaven era. Yeah. So if it were made now, you think he'd have a he'd Full be beard. rocking a beard? Yeah. Yeah. Like Cap. Captain oh, Infinity War! Infinity War, yeah, yeah. that's a good look. I, yeah. I think he could pull it off. But yeah, I like I mentioned prior to um, introducing the movie, I watched Demolition Man and Judge Dredd, and I I had never seen Cliffhanger, so I put it on right before going to bed, and my wife and I were watching it. Like, this is so absurd, this movie. I'm like, yeah, I think this is gonna be my pick, and uh, I, I ran it by you guys, and thankfully you said yes because. I love this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Great, yeah, Mark. Where are you coming from with Cliffhanger?
0: Yeah, so my only experience really with Cliffhanger was um, being at the time going through blockbusters and seeing the poster, Sly so and hanging off the mountain. I'm just thinking like either that movie is is really cool or I'm gonna be really bored by it as a eight nine year old. Yeah, it was kind of exactly what I was expecting. The thing that happens in the very opening of the movie, I was not expecting. I didn't think they would do that that early. I didn't know that was going to be the emotional crux of the movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least in the beginning. Yeah, it was just it was just fun. Anytime we get a movie with Michael Rooker in it, I will watch it no matter, who, you know, whether we're doing it off podcast or for podcasts. So I, this was around the time where he was like trying to be some kind of action star, I guess, or something. Cause yeah, I don't
1: know. I don't really know much about Michael Ricker's er, 90s career. It's, it's,
0: you know, just just the type of character he played in this. And having that one moment, which I know Dan loves, seeing the girl in the helicopter and going, I kind of recognize her. And then realizing that she was one of the people on a great CBS property, uh, Northern Exposure, um, back in the 90s. (laughs) And, like, no idea which character she was or how big she was in it. But I was like, I I remember seeing her on my TV a whole lot because my family was obsessed with that show. So it's always cool when one of those moments happen. And of course, you get Bruce McGill and a whole bunch of great just uh, that guy actors Mm -hmm. pop up in this movie. Yeah. So I was excited. Yeah. I have seen
1: this exactly one time before this podcast and we rented it on like must have been when it came out. And this fucking poster is excellent. We had a conversation a couple of episodes ago about posters. This is an iconic fucking poster. So good with him just looking down with, with the helicopter in the background. That's the one that I remember and that's yep. blockbuster specific, exactly. or I guess that what you know, video rental specific. And I remember this opening scene very well, right down to the dramatic shot that the stuffed animal gets. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's oh, the, the opening scene is fantastic. So, it is the perfect opening scene for this specific movie.
2: Yes. They they have all the cliches in it too, this opening yep. scene, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, Michael Rooker's character gets over just fine. The first person, no problem. Second person, oh yeah, you're gonna be fine, no worries. Oh, by the way, are we on for dinner later? Boom. <laughs> That's like, oh, she's treading on thin ice. And then the music <laughs> kicks in. It goes from a very lighthearted, oh, like, oh, we're so silly up here right now. We're having a grand old time. We're joking around. And then, oh, we're on for dinner later. Dun, dun. It just, it, it drops. Like, well, <laughs> you know, see you later, lady.
0: Yeah, part of me was just like, this is going to be a dream, right? This is going to be some kind of dumb dream that he has of a, of a rescue going wrong. And oh, it, it was turns a rescue out to go- be, <laughs> turns out to be an actual rescue going wrong.
1: Yep. You know? it's a, I agree. I think it's a very good opening. Yeah, it's great. That was really the only thing I kind of remember from this movie was that opening scene, but it's it kick it, it brings you in real quick, you learn basically every character that you need to know and create, have an, an emotional attachment to, you create it in that scene. It's perfect. Perfect scene. Uh the music is so epic in this movie. Yeah. That's what I've written down. This is some epic theme music. Just a sweeping score just up against this beautifully shot landscapes. It's utterly ridiculous. <laughs>
2: My wife pointed out, we watched it twice. We, I watched it a couple of nights ago and then tonight prior to recording. And we we're watching it and I, I mentioned, like, man, I really love this music. And she and she said, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's so heroic. Yeah, you know, like it. It almost seems like it would be for like an astronaut. You know, like the for astronauts sure. are walking to the shuttle. Yeah, it it, it kind of has like it would belong in Armageddon possibly. Yeah. And then they they kind of reprise the music and they repurpose it for different situations. I don't I don't know if you noticed it, but it, like if if it gets serious, the theme music will play a little bit more on a lower tone. Yeah, it, it's really good. I I agree. I think the music the the soundtrack with the the mountains and it's very very it's it's epic
1: yeah the one thing i have down as like a a negative is i like john lithgow's performance it's hammy but i really wish he wasn't doing an accent Mm.
0: i wonder if that was maybe a leftover thing in the character sheet from the other hires they wanted to make for this role and they just didn't want to change it it's entirely
1: possible. So I was looking it up. Originally, their first choice was David Bowie, and then they had hired Christopher Walken, who had had, had to back out at the last second, and then John Lithgow was cast right before they started filming, and he was probably just like, oh, you know, well, let me try and do a Bowie. <laughs> was he on Was he on Third Rock from the Sun at this point? It was right around right well, around I, this I, time. He might have been maybe a couple years later, maybe. Maybe like 95 right yeah because is that when was, it started 96 third rock from the sun so three yeah, wasn't years he,
0: later wasn't he like mostly known for dramatic action roles like this yeah
1: um, i don't really let me i could look it up i don't really know that's a good question what was john lithgow known for Wasn't he in footloose? oh yeah he was in footloose yeah. that was sometime before that too
0: yeah yeah but um, i think he was like mainly until third rock even though he did have like a comedy background Mm -hmm. His more famous movies were more of the dramatic action side.
2: Sure. Okay. So I feel like he didn't really fit in, in this movie. It was a motley crew. Yeah, very much. So the cohesion in that crew is like pretty much non-existent leads to their downfall. Yeah. They, they turn on each other on the, at the drop of a hat (laughs) (laughs) and they, like you could tell they despise one another. (laughs) Yeah. No one is willing to stick out their neck for the others.
1: Yeah, Travers, who's the uh, the FBI agent who planned the whole thing. He's at odds with John Lithgow's character from, from the very beginning. Yep. And then nobody else seems to like each other either. Yeah, the, the uh-huh. British guy doesn't like Leon. He specifically does we not like the color Lee. of his skin. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I think he calls him a black bastard, right? Call. Yes, he says black bastard. He calls him boy. But yeah, that's a problem, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. But yeah...
2: He's from Cool Runnings. Leon, yeah. Yeah, it's also would, Black Jesus. I was like, man, he looks so familiar. Where have I seen him? And cool Runnings.
1: He's Black <laughs> Jesus from the Madonna "Like a Prayer" video. I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah, he's a lot of fun in
2: this movie. He has a weird delivery. Like he has like a weird monologue. Yeah. when he's fighting Stallone, it's like in this day and age, I'll never understand why a man puts money over a bitch. Like, what are you getting at here? Like, I, I don't quite uh,
1: understand. Mo- money over his own well-being and his oh, bitch. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. To that.
2: To that effect. Yeah. yeah. Just a strange monologue. <laughs> Why did he get a monologue? He's not like
1: the main villain. Right. He does. He's, he does get to monologue, and nobody else really does. Right. Well, Travers it's... gets one at the end. He gets the monologue to Quelan.
0: It, Quelan. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say. Yeah. I think. Uh, going back to her point, I think the only one that really liked each other was the pilot in yeah. Um uh, But he shows his... His true colors. Yeah, it, it, there's a, word, a sociopathic nature at the end there yeah. with her, specifically. But yeah, there was no big grandiose speech outside of Travers yelling through the walkie-talkie, mm-hmm. which was just a, a way to get the FBI or whatever agents were coming, the treasury agents, I guess, guess, uh, uh, to know that he had turned. Essentially what that whole rant was for.
1: Yeah, it was for their benefit and for our benefit so we can't be like, well, I wonder if those agents will ever know what happened on this mountain.
2: (laughs) Right. Well, that was convenient. Travers has a very strange line in this movie. and I I wrote it down specifically because to me, and this is why I think he was a bargain bin Hans Gruber, so he, he has a line... Kill a few people, you're a murderer. Kill a million, and you're a conqueror. Like what? <laughs> Are we saying that he's killed a lot of people? Like, is this not his first time? <laughs> I I don't know what they're trying to convey here.
0: Well, yeah. I think he's trying to convey the old thing that uh, leaders of countries and kings and stuff like that murder millions of people, and they're they're seen as conquerors, heroes. But if you just kill a few people, you're just a murderer. Sure, but he's a robber. <laughs> Well he, thinks, yeah. <laughs> well, he thinks, um, you know, he's it, tales of grandeur thief. or whatever. He thinks he's an exceptional thief. Yeah. yeah there you go.
2: Yeah, it's, I, I get it if he's actually, I think that line would make more sense if he was trying to, like, set off a bomb somewhere or release a deadly virus. Something that's going to wipe out a lot of people.
0: Or maybe he, he thinks he's more of himself than he is.
2: Yeah, maybe he fancies himself a conqueror. Yeah. But it, it's never really conveyed that way. No, it's just like yeah. I want money. It is a very Hans Grubery thing to say. Yes, right. Because <laughs> Hans has the line, uh, and when he looked upon his kingdom, he wept for there was uh, no more land. Or when he looked upon his land, there was no more kingdoms to conquer. Whatever. Yeah. Like basically saying there was he had conquered everybody. He was now in charge of everything. Yeah. But I yeah I didn't get that from John Lithgow's character. Like yeah you know he's He's a thief, which is cool. Uh, he's not, like, a mass
1: murderer. He's not even particularly good at it. No, everything goes wrong. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Off the hop. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: uh, I mean, he again, it's an interesting dynamic. I would probably say the weakest link in this movie is probably, it's like a toss-up between Stallone and Janine Turner. Okay i think turner's character uh jesse kind of useless yeah as a female character
1: usually is in one of these movies
2: true especially early 90s i'm I'm assuming he was really more just let's just highlight stallone obviously but yeah you know even rooker gets some some good action scenes in there yeah janine is just kind of thrown to the side most of the time Or, or yeah she doesn't really serve too much of a purpose outside of a A connection to gabe walker uh, stallone's character's
1: past self Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and she becomes a damsel at the end
0: and i didn't really that's one thing i couldn't figure out in this movie just from how that opening scene was and then the scene when he comes back it's just the relationships in this movie like i'm like was he dating the girl that that fell and the pilot (laughs) or was the pilot was the girl that fell dating michael rooker like, yes. I, I I couldn't put like because of the kiss and saying going to dinner and then Michael Rooker's all like I loved her man <laughs> and I'm like I, wait, who
1: <laughs> this movie this yeah. is very chaste in terms yeah. of like the sexual relationships that we're supposed to assume happen even yeah. on the other side like John Lithgow and that pilot mm.
0: yeah, Crystal, yeah they're, they're definitely dating
1: or... right but like that's what it seems like but like middle school dating maybe maybe they're just yeah. holding hands oh, like that's yeah. that's what everything every relationship feels like they've only gotten to the holding hands part of the relationship
2: <laughs> so is so are we saying everyone's
1: asexual in this movie okay
2: I was saying are we are we trying to say that Stallone is banging both of those those girls
1: no I don't think so okay. I think it, I I think it was Michael Ricker's girlfriend but I'm saying like Michael Rooker and his girl Michael Ricker is taking his girlfriend up to a mountain she has no business being on first of all yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bad sign. But there, there's no specific chemistry that they try and call out there. There's really not much chemistry between Northern Exposure chick and Stallone. It's very brother sister. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah very protective. You know.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's more of the protector type of feel I think. They, like they don't. Do they kiss at all in the movie? Maybe like a peck on the cheek or something. Maybe. Yeah,
1: I, I don't remember them really showing much affection towards each other in this movie. I think at the end, I think she might kiss him on the forehead when okay. they're waiting for the helicopter When they're waiting for the rescue copter. Okay. After. Yeah. But still, not it's not like oozing chemistry really. No. No. So cliffhanger from 1993 is directed by Renny Harlan, who also directed A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, Die Hard 2, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Deep Blue Sea, and he directed Cutthroat Island, which is only mentionable because it would become in Guinness Book of World Record for the most expensive box office bomb of all time. This movie stars Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow, Michael Rooker, Janine Turner, Rex Lynn, Caroline Goodall, Leon, Craig Fairbrass, Dennis Forrest, Michael Joyner, and Max Perlick. IMDb score of 6.5 and a Rotten Tomato score of 69%. Nice. There you go. Nice. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for you, Mark. I thought you were going to be right on top of that I one. I let Dan have it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Mark. <laughs> Budget, $70 million. Box office, $84 million U.S. And globally made $255 million. Nice chunk of change. Uh, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right. Dan, what do you got for us? i uh, going to give a quick
2: shout out, as we like to do on this podcast, to our friend Tia. Uh, she has her very own podcast called The Top Ten with Tia. She and her friend, Brittany, discuss top 10 lists. So if you're a fan of lists in general, reading them, hearing them, uh, go head on over to TC underscore Stark. That's her Twitter. You could uh, find her links there. You could also go to Geek Vibes Nation. Check her out there. She writes all their articles, and she's a very nice person. She loves all things geek, so if you want some news,
1: go check her out. Great. And we are going to take a break, and you are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. So we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawanche, Jay. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out ultraduroparlayhour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell them about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell them about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell them Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey, everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A from Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. And now it's time to get into the plot for cliffhanger. We open on the TriStar logo, and I will never not mention it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's something that doesn't doesn't come up anymore. So the TriStar. The, the TriStar logo with the with the Pegasus. Uh, are they are they no longer around? They are now defunct. Oh, okay. Okay. Then
2: yeah, that's that's good. I, yeah. I'll allow that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then we get a rescue plane is in flight in the rocky mountains as the credits roll over a sweeping score our pilot radios with stallone whose name is gabe as they search for a person that they've been trying to rescue helicopter follows the smoke and we see gabe's with stallone hot dog in it considering this is a rescue mission it seems like he's not exactly taking the whole situation seriously And he's rescuing Michael Rooker and his girlfriend, and they need a rescue because Rooker, who is an experienced climber, hurt his knee, and his girlfriend is the opposite of an experienced climber, which is irresponsible to take her to this goddamn mountain.
0: Yep.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's a line where he says, uh,
1: where he asks, like, why did
2: he bring you up here anyway? And she replies, oh, he said it it was better than sex. So I thought she was saying, oh, we were going to have sex. (laughs) This is Uh... the worst place to have sex.
0: (laughs) were the best place to have sex <laughs> I can't
2: imagine <laughs> on top of a mountain it's fucking cold out right there's, there's
1: got to be somewhere better I think indoor sex is greater than all outdoor sex right <laughs> I you know what I'm gonna be honest with you
2: I've never I've never done it outside so yeah I would assume being inside is just the bee's
1: knees right It's you control the elements man right yeah comfort of of your own home or a hotel room or i don't know if you prefer the restroom of a burger king
0: (laughs) the back seat of a volkswagen (laughs) right (laughs) yeah
2: just yeah somewhere in an enclosed area i would imagine is better than in the great outdoors. Yeah.
1: The, the ground has rocks, sticks, sometimes those itchy balls that fall from the tree. <laughs> None of that stuff you want to be sitting on or plowing your significant other into.
2: <laughs> Just
1: go inside. Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I, right. It, I wonder if this is going to make it sound like we're not adventurous
1: people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it boring makes us, old,
1: they call this a movie. It makes us sound like old people, but, you know, that's... <laughs> Those are the mistakes you make in your twenties. We're not in our twenties anymore.
2: That's a good point. We, we're we're in the some of us mid thirties or later. That banging outdoors is a young man's game.
1: <laughs> you know, especially if it's the daytime. I mean, like I'm gonna get so burnt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be punishing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's really not worth it for five ten minutes tops. Yeah. No. i don't want to speak for anyone else that's, okay. that's just weird.
0: i'm sorry <laughs> keep bragging there <laughs>
2: oh yeah it's again it's uh and uh, as we're saying that i mean they're on top of they're in the
1: rockies it's you know he has a bad knee yep. i mean it's you're just asking for trouble i thought i thought stallone's reply to her saying he said it was better than sex was going to be well maybe with him yeah he was like really <laughs> So the helicopter lands on another rock formation across the way, and they set up a rope that they have to pull themselves across. So Rooker gets across, no problem. Sarah goes, and she slowly goes across again. She's way too green to be up here. And despite Gabe checking her ropes, the clip immediately bends and snaps, causing Sarah to nearly fall to her death immediately. But she grabs onto the line, but she's slowly losing her grip, and the clip is bending and it's bound to snap. So Gabe puts himself on the line and goes over to grab her. Just as she get he gets there, the clip snaps and the and manage he manages to catch Sarah. Sarah drops her stuffed animal, which gets its own really dramatic shot as <laughs> it falls into the crevice below. And Gabe holds onto her, but she starts to slip, eventually sliding out of her glove and out of Gabe's grasp. And she falls to her death. And Michael Rooker can only stare at Gabe with disdain, even though he's equally culpable for even bringing her up here in the first place. <laughs> Must have been an awkward fly home. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, Gabe, now you got to come across the rest <laughs> of the <program. laughs> uh, the wind out of the sails of everybody there. Even Frank's probably like, oh, boy. Right. I'll paint about this later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is
2: uh, this is Sarah falling. Uh, it's more abstract, but uh, yep, there it is. I,
0: mean, I need the director's cut of this movie, which shows <laughs> the rest of the scene as he's gotta get in the helicopter yeah. and they fly away. Yeah, for, Frank just said,
2: "Like, uh, did you see the uh, the Broncos game over the weekend? <laughs> yeah, the refs really blew that for him, huh?" <laughs>
1: Was making small talk as they've got like a 45-minute flight back to our rescue <laughs> station. Yeah. Oh man. I I would love to have been a fly
2: on the uh, on the wall there. It's like super super awkward. Like, uh, do you there? Do you think Rooker would have just wanted to like beat the shit out of Stallone? I would. Su- I mean, it seemed like it. Yeah. He didn't look very happy. I thought. I actually thought Rooker would be the bad guy in this after a while. Uh-huh. Like, oh, this is like the perfect villain origin story. Sure. right. He, he's going to blame Stallone for losing his girlfriend. But no, yeah. it, it, it turns out it, it turns out better for that, yeah. but I thought that's where they were going with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Cut to the U.S. Treasury Department eight months later. We meet a team that's going to transport a whole bunch of money. It involves the FBI and U.S. Treasury Department agent by the name of Travers, and they're transporting $10,000 bills, which are only used for international exchange. And Gabe is back in town, and he passes by a gas station where a couple of stoners recognizes him, uh, his truck as he drives by. So they drive up to him very recklessly and start driving alongside him. And we basically find out that Gabe quit shortly after the incident as they have an entire conversation driving side by side.
0: Yeah, How how paranoid is Gabe that these people are coming up honking on him? And he's like, oh, shit, what the?
1: Yeah, he has a, <laughs> he has a very uh, strange reaction to it, as if he was like a retired police officer I'm or sure something. He- so he goes to Jesse's house, who has a beautiful house with acres of property and horses. I believe this was their house yeah officially they were living together and gabe talks about how he blames himself for what happened on the ledge and jesse tries to convince him that he did all he could and more than anyone else would have could have or did she thinks he's bad he's back for good but he says he came back for her and wants her to leave with him as we mentioned she has a beautiful house with a whole bunch of horses where the fuck is she going and then she leaves to go to work then we get a pointless scene on the plane And then we cut to the rescue station where Jesse goes to work. Hal and Frank talk about Frank's art, which is terrible. It's about a monkey eating a banana or something like that. A banana eating a monkey. A A, a banana eating a monkey. That's right. Nature in reverse. That's right. Good old Frank stoned off his fucking mind. Back on the plane, one of the agents spots another aircraft putting the agents into panic mode. Except for Travers, who tells everyone to stay calm. Then one of the agents calls Travers on it, saying he's trying to hijack the shipment. The other agents subdue him, and Travers shoots everybody on the plane, including uh, the guy that was trying to call him out. And then the pilot shoots the co-pilot.
2: There was a oh, who was the the
1: actor? He he was Bruce in My McGill. Cousin.
2: Yes, man, I really wanted to see more of him in this movie because he's a pretty good character actor. Yeah, he was in Time Cop. He's a That's he's right. a repeater. Yeah, and he he's only in it for a few minutes, and he just gets blown away like <laughs> yeah. unceremoniously.
1: Yeah, yeah. You thought that, I I was gonna think that there's gonna be like an other like they were gonna all turn on the guy that tried to expose expose the guy. Right, yeah.
2: right. The the new the newer agent that comes yeah. aboard, right? Yeah. Nope. yeah and uh, then go
0: ahead. the the quote unquote coolest uh, scene, at least to me, um, of this early part was that pilot. They just come back to the pilot. And you just pulls the gun and just shoots him in the head and just the disgust look on his face at his (laughs) co-pilot. He, like, shoots him and he's, like, shaking his head. ugh,
1: I had to sit next to this guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't hear him yap about his kids anymore. Uh,
1: Then Travers radios to the other plane, telling them to move into position, and the plan is to send a cable to the other plane and they then send the shipment along in crates down the line. Travers sets a charge on the first plane and tells the pilot he has five minutes before it explodes. And Travers then goes across the line first, leaving the pilots on the crates, basically saying that he's, of course, he's going to go first because he's not going to send them money and then they're just going to leave him there. But one of the agents isn't dead for some reason and winds up shooting the pilot who falls out of the plane. Um, he also shoots at the other plane, causing severe damage and killing one of the thieves whom they toss out the plane. The first plane explodes and the crates dangle on the line before they inevitably fall. And the plane cr- then crash lands in the mountains. <clears throat> Meanwhile, the Stoners go base jumping. Back in the down <laughs> plane, the thieves all argue, Lithgow, who's playing the leader, Quaylan, and Quaylan threatens to kill Travers over the failure of the plan, but Travers has the codes for the tracking monitor, making him valuable to the team.
0: Yeah, this is the first time we get introduced to John Lithgow's English accent.
1: Yeah. Oh, in full effect. <laughs> yeah. Not great. <laughs> no. So, Crystal, uh, the pilot radios into the re- rescue station with a phony distress call saying they're hikers that have gotten lost so jesse goes back to the house to f- and finds game packing up to leave again but she convinces him to help answer the distress call at the airport the treasury department agents think the plane went down because of the weather but fbi agent fbi agents show up to brief them that their man was monitoring a potential hijacking And they brief them on Qualen, whom they say has the international connections to move the money that's supposed to be unmovable. Hal goes climbing to reach the distress call and runs into Gabe, who surprises him on the mountain. Uh, They have it out. Hal blames Gabe. Gabe says he did all he could. And Hal threatens to throw him off the cliff. but Tells him he wants him to live with it. And Hal and Gabe eventually make it to the plane and are immediately held at gunpoint, taken hostage, and are told that they are missing a set of bags and they need to help them find it.
0: And by the way... How amazing is it that the big money grab here is one hundred million dollars?
2: It's a lot of money.
0: Like no, Jeff Bezos sneezes that in the morning. Right. Like (laughs)
2: in nineteen ninety three, one hundred million dollars still meant something, I guess.
0: To me, to me, it very much felt like that Doctor Evil joke.
2: Oh yeah, one million dollars,
0: and then everybody when he's in nineteen ninety seven or eight or whatever, everybody laughs at him.
2: Really, that's that's nowadays that's not a lot of not money. Lot of
0: money.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, I mean,
0: I, I wonder what billion dollars. Yeah, oh. one,
2: yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I, I wonder what a hundred million dollars was would be in '93 today. You know, mm. like what's the uh, the inflation rate on that? I mean, I have no idea. Two hundred million dollars.
0: As much money as it sounds like, not enough for what these people had to do to steal it. Even before, right.
2: even before the mountain thing. Well, what was Han stealing? How much was Han stealing? Uh, I don't even remember. It, it wasn't an exorbitant. I mean, it was a lot, obviously, but it wasn't in the billions. No. I think it was. I think it was eighty million dollars or something like that.
0: It Wasn't a gold bars or whatever or something?
2: Gold bullion. Bullion. Oh, yeah. uh, that, that was in Die Hard Three. I, I think. I think it's mostly like
1: uh... negotiable barabonds. Yeah. Yes. Bonds. But, uh, OK, so in 1993, if you had one hundred million dollars and t- that is the equivalent of one hundred and eighty three million three hundred and five thousand eight hundred and eighty two. So almost okay. doubled. All
2: right. So I, I would agree with Mark. I think for all the trouble you're going through, maybe one hundred million isn't the most. It's still a lot of money.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's also like a team of seven. So
2: that's true. Sure. Yeah. But <laughs> Liffgao was definitely going to kill these people. Oh, yeah.
0: Him
2: yeah. needed- like, and the pilot were the only ones to ride. Yeah, because he needed. he and the uh, what's her name? Like the, the girl he was in, I guess. Crystal? yes, yeah, yeah, she was the pilot. Crystal, yes. Oh, she was the pilot. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah
1: they they were going to be the only two that survived. Right, because he, he's he, going to pull a joker. Right, because the other pilot dies in the, in at the beginning. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the crash. Yeah. Yeah. The crew bring the two of them into the down plane and show them the tracking device and tell them that they either help them find the bags or they're going to kill them. So the whole team goes out to fetch the bags. As they're out, Jesse radios Hal for his location as they get close to one of the first bags. Quailen tells Gabe that he has to go fetch the bag himself and leave Hal down there with them. And they take his coat from him as a means to keep him from running away and also tie a rope to his leg for good measure. So Gabe goes up and climbs as as they wait for him. He makes it to the top and uncovers the bag and starts smashing it with a rock until it opens. And he sees it's full of cash. And then Quaylen then tells his men that they don't need two guides, so kill Gabe as soon as he's down with the bag. So hearing this, Hal yells up to Gabe, telling him not to come down because they're going to kill him. And then Quaylen's men then start pulling on the rope to try to pull Gabe down. Um, He frees himself from the rope. And he tries to get away, and they start to fire at him, which causes an avalanche, because of course it does, okay. um, killing one of the men. And Gabe tosses the case off with the snow, case opening, and the money falling all over the mountainside. Jesse's gonna co- be rich. Yep. Yeah, I was just thinking, was like the money's still there. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take a while to pick it all up, but it's there. Uh, Jesse calls in, and Quaylen tells Hal to answer it, but not to give Jesse any clues. So Hal answers the radio call, tells Jesse that he's over by the tower, but she knows he's at the bluff, so he, she decides to get to the helicopter out there and see what's up. As Hal and Lithgow's crew go searching for the second case, Gabe is just free-soloing in a t-shirt up the face of the mountain. Next to an abandoned tower, barges in, and Jesse is there already. She finds a sweater in a display case and gives it to the Gabe, and it's a healing sweater because now the threat of hypothermia is gone. It has cold resistance to it. <laughs> so he tells her to, uh, he tells her about the guys looking for the money and that Hal's in danger once they find all the cases. So he tells her to grab as much equipment as they can and they need to try to find the cases before the others do. The night falls and Gabe and Jesse stumble upon the second case, presumably, presumably because Gabe memorized where the three cases were in the short time he looked at the tracker. Which, you know, that's that's the end of that plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Gabe and Jesse plant the case for the crew to find, but have taken the money out. They leave one bill in the case, having written want to trade with a question mark on it. And they leave the tracker with a. They build it. They take the time to build a snowman and put the tracker in the snowman's mouth, which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the team fans out to find Gabe and one guy walking through the forest with some night vision goggles. He sees them trying to escape. And as he gets close, Gabe lights a flare causing the guy to momentarily go blind. And then they fight uh, down the uh, hill. Eventually, Gabe rides this henchman down the cliff like a toboggan, <laughs> uh, face it's first. A, such a good scene. <laughs> it's kind. Of, it's really well shot. Like the shot of the the team coming over the mountainside and they're like backlit. It's like really yeah. well done.
2: And and even when the he he rides the henchman off the cliff. Yeah. And the the, the henchman just falls into nothingness yeah it, it was it was pretty cool to see it was like surreal like where is he going yeah you don't know
1: but it, it's a cool shot mm. yeah rennie Harlan, Harlan's a real director <laughs> <laughs> we don't come across those very often on this show but that's a good point <laughs> um and he rides him down until they get to the end of the cliff or gabe digs in with a climbing hole then the henchman goes off the side of the cliff and then a R- rooker gets to say gravity's a bitch ain't it and I think Great. he probably gets punched in the face. For it. <laughs> I wonder if they really, like, punched him in the face. Like, punch him in the face for that line. <laughs> that's a terrible yeah. line. Uh, and then the racist British henchman calls the black henchman boy, so that's a thing. Uh, the henchmen find the tower and camp out for the night while Gabe and Jesse build a fire using the money, and the stoners are in a tent. Don't know why we cut to them. Okay. So they're talking about righteous uh, air hockey, dude. <laughs> yeah.
0: Can we say that the... Uh, racist british dude and this isn't saying anything about this actor but if it was a few years later that that racist british dude would have been played by vinnie jones
1: <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> in a post locked stock and two smoking barrels yeah. world absolutely um in the morning quailen and his men move out to find the next case hal says it'll take a day a half a day to get there and then two stoners show up ready to go base jumping and then, even though Quaylen sort of mentions he doesn't have intentions to kill the two stoner kids, as long as Hal plays it cool, Hal does not play it cool at all and tells them to run. So Leon guns one down immediately, and the other runs away in the woods, trying to strap on his parachute as he flees. I think you hear a gun cock before
2: Rooker acts a fool. Right. So I guess he assumes like they're, they're going to kill him anyway. So I'm going to try to yell to them Yeah, Leon, he he's uh he's a little unhinged. I think he just wants to kill.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he probably could have just answered their question. He could have just been because I I think they're like, well, you just uh, you babysitting some uh, amateur hikers. Could have been like, yeah, all right, I'll see you later. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's all you needed. Yep. But someone just had make a random sound with a gun that probably isn't even accurate. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it it's uh i i thought it was kind of unnecessary to even have the two hikers in there
1: you know because yeah. like, what's what's the point i'm trying to think i don't think there is a point like they don't there isn't like they don't leave something behind that becomes instrumental in like an ending or anything like that
2: right yeah they, they essentially like they're there to like oh gabe's back and yeah. then really that's all you need them
1: for yeah they, they get fucking slaughtered one thing about this movie is that they they do not shy away from showing people just getting wrecked yeah, yeah, he, yeah. the one guy gets torn to pieces <laughs> i i openly laughed when the one gets shot right before he gets off the cliff <laughs> he's, he's like ragdolling it in yeah. the air oh man though. Th- this was yeah this is a slaughter <laughs>
2: I, you know, I wasn't even really mad at it either because those guys were kind of like pointless,
1: like I was saying, like, uh, yeah, yeah, if you're going to kill him, kill him. That's fine. I'm okay with that. Uh, they chased after and just as he's about to jump, Leon shoots him and he goes over. He does manage to release his shoot and he lands in some trees at the bottom. Hal continues to take the crew through the mountains to the next case. Jesse and Gabe fall behind, watching and realizing that Hal is taking them the long way around the mountain. Jesse and Gabe realize to get in front of them, they will need to go through a cave. Travers is starting to get anxious and wants Hal to radio the chopper and forget about the money. But Quaylen tells him it's too late for that. So Jesse and, Hal wind, Jesse and Gabe wind up in a cave and get attacked by a bunch of bats. Meanwhile, Frank heads out on the chopper to find everyone.
0: She's just got to play it cool, and that would have been fine.
1: Yeah. they really overreact to the bats like bats, like vampires exist yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh it's in my hair uh
1: frank goes to check out a blip he finds on the radar and it winds up being the stoner kid in the tree that was about to get eaten by a pack of wolves i thought this kid was gonna get eaten by wolves how awesome would it have
2: been if frank shows up and like the bottom half of him is just a skeleton
1: It would have been hilarious just because this like that that just proves that there was no point for these kids. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, and that's the last to hear of him too. Like, oh, he's on his way to the 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 emergency room. Yeah. Does he make it? I don't yeah. know.
1: <laughs> Fuck, does <him>. it matter? <laughs> right. It doesn't. Uh, Frank scares him off and pulls the kid off the tree. And as the crew walks across a bridge one by one, Gabe is climbing up through a cave. Quaylen tells uh, Leon that Gabe is following, so try and flank him. Sure enough, Gabe sticks his head out of the top of the cave, right where Leon was staking out. Leon asks for the money, but Gabe tells him he burned it all up. Leon tells him that he doesn't think he's stupid, stupid enough to burn up $30 million, so he tells him to give it to him. So instead, Gabe hits him with a climbing spike in the leg and jumps down the cave. Leon calls into Qualen to tell him that Gabe got away, and then he said he burned all the money. So Qualen tells him to get out of there, and they're going to plant some C4. Where <laughs> <were you? laughs> In the fight, I questioned.
2: There's one specific shot. Uh, Stallone gets a handful of dick, a handful of Leon's <laughs> privates, and they specifically show that. Like he, <laughs> like he grabs a handful and then impales him on a stalactite. Yep. Which, you know, it's cool. It's a it's a cool um, uh, death, but. Like, did they really need to show him
1: just, like, grabbing his hog? <laughs> it's also the least heroic moment for Stallone in this movie. <laughs> he gets his ass kicked. Yeah. yeah, and
0: it's and it's a brutal murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I assume that that zoom-up of grabbing of it is because he was talking about essentially having his way with Jesse.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, is that what? Is that why he
1: had to grab his manhood? Yeah. yeah. He, so after his oh. little, mo- so his monologue is, it amazes me in this day and age when a man <laughs> would put money before the personal safety of himself and his bitch. I wanted to know, I wanted you to go to your grave knowing that I'm going to treat the bitch right. And suddenly grabs Kinnett by the crotch and chest and impales him on a large stalactite. Okay. Yeah. So that that was his way of like he hulks out there. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
2: (laughs) It was just just a weird shot. Like they they zoom in on his hand meeting just just dick and
1: squeezing.
2: Yeah. Oh, he gives it a
1: good squeeze and uh, just very odd. But now (laughs) I I guess it makes a little more sense. Uh, So they fight and that happens and then outside they plant the C4. Uh, Hal then steals the radio from Quailin and radios to Gabe that they're going to blow up the cave over the radio that Leon dropped. Gabe and Jesse then try to start rappel down the cliff with an old rope to try to get away from the explosion. The rope snaps and Gabe grabs Jesse by the hand, reminiscent of the opening scene, but Gabe manages to pull Jesse back up and they hide in an alcove as the explosion rains rocks down the cavern. Frank and the chopper Sees a flare and a body nearby, so he lands the chopper. Turns out that it's the woman pilot as a decoy, and the others are holding Hal at gunpoint. Frank goes to help the woman, but she grabs his gun and holds him hostage. Hal breaks free because no one could seem to get a handle on Hal ever. He screams for Frank, but it's just enough to distract Frank before he gets shot dead by the racist British dude. Hal's always just breaking free and doing whatever the fuck he (laughs) wants. Right. And never getting killed. Yeah, he's just like...
2: It's like a mild annoyance when he breaks free. Yeah. Like, oh, could you just get him back, please? <laughs> he gets, like, punched in the face, and that's... I, I wrote down that Rooker's character gets
1: his ass beat up and down the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as Frank dies in Hal's arms, Frank gives him a knife, and Hal pockets it. Uh, Travers tries to take the reins, doling out a plan to use a chopper to find the third bag and to get out. The chopper only has fuel to get back down the mountain. So they posture for a bit. Travers basically tells Quaylen that they need him in order to use the tracking device. So Quaylen kills Crystal, so he's the only person that could fly the chopper. So he's valuable, too. Quaylen tells Travers to go find the third bag. He's going to wait at the chopper. And Gabe and Jesse split up as Gabe goes higher up the mountain. Meanwhile, Travers, Hal, and the racist British dude are looking for the third bag, but Gabe finds it first and starts shoving the money into his pack and then has an idea of what to do with the tracker. Travers realizes that they're close to the third bag, so he tells the racist British dude to kill Hal. So the racist British dude, rather than shoots Hal, uh, decides to beat him to death while pretending like he's at a soccer match, which is annoying because he says striker an awful lot. He does. Striker gets in position. (laughs) And he kicks the shit out of Hal, pushing him over a ledge. But Hal hangs on for dear life and then takes his knife out of his boot and stabs the guy in the leg, grabs his gun off of him, and then shoots him right in the chest, causing him to fall off the cliff. He, he, oh, go ahead, Mark.
0: I was going to say, I uh, I thought when he did that whole setup for the penalty kick thing is when Rooker was going to stab him
2: mm-hmm. or yeah. just
0: move out of the way and he was going to fall off balance. He was going to throw him off the mountain that way. That-
2: I, I thought the same thing. I was like, man, he's really taking his sweet time to use that knife. <laughs> yeah, just let Let's me get... get my ass kicked just a little bit more. All right, I gotta
1: gotta put on a show <laughs> instead of just immediately stabbing this man. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Travers is following the tracker, and it's moving around like crazy. Turns out that Gab sh- Gabe strapped it. And turns out Gabe strapped the tracker to a rabbit who is running around the forest as a rabbit is known to do. Travers shoots at it, but can't even hit a rabbit. So Travers has had enough and calls Quailin, gives him his piece of his mind on the radio, giving names and all so that, that anybody that's listening can know what happens. Just so happens the FBI and their chopper were listening the whole time. And then, <laughs> and then Travers decides he's going to kill Gabe. That's his mission now.
0: Yeah, this is just Travers' breaking moment because uh, Quailin kept going, it's an open line, what are you doing, you fucking idiot? Like for that entire thing.
2: Yeah, and I feel at this point they probably would know that it, like Travers was behind something, no? Or is it, it was, was it still a secret at that point?
0: Unless they had some evidence, as far as they knew, he was probably, he could have went down with the plane. Okay, yeah. so
2: it, it still matters
1: that he's using names on the transmission. Yeah. Okay. He and just anyone... said, "I can't believe I've I spent 20 years and I threw it all away to for you, basically." Yeah.
2: Yeah, and did they ever give a reason why he turns? Money. Is
1: it just the money? Oh, just the money. Okay. Like he doesn't have a no, vendetta against the Bureau or whatever. No. Nope. Okay. uh, He chases after Gabe and shoots at him. Gabe jumps down a steep hill to get away from Travers. Jesse sees the chopper and, thinking it's Frank, waves him over, but it's Quaylin and he points a gun at her from the pilot seat. Travers has now chased Gabe down to a frozen okay. lake. Yeah. Good. Uh, that scene confuses shit out of me. <laughs> she could have
2: easily escaped. He has to land the fucking helicopter <laughs> somewhere. It's not like she's jumping on board, <laughs> right? right? Like, stay right there, young lady, as I land the helicopter a few hundred yards away and come and grab you. Okay, I'm just going to go climb down now. <laughs> she could
1: have easily escaped. Yeah. Again, useless. Um, Travers has now chased Gabe down to a frozen lake. And as Travers is using a footbridge, Gabe sticks his hands out from below the bridge and pulls Travers down. Gabe falls into the ice and scrambles to find a hole. And Travers stalks him from above the ice. He's getting ready to shoot Gabe, but Gabe shoots him first and Travers falls down through the ice and the current takes him away. And Hal shows up and helps Gabe out of the ice. And then Quaylen goes on the radio to get a hold of Travers, but Hal gets on via the racist British guy's radio to tell uh, tell Quaylen that Travers is no more. Quaylen reveals that he has Jesse as a hostage and he's bargaining her for the money. He tells Gabe to meet him at the highest point that he could get to. So Quaylen fi- flies over to Gabe who has uh, found a spot and Gabe negotiates that Quaylen releases Jesse before he throws the money into the chopper. So she gets down and he tells her to run. So she runs off in the other direction. Then he tells Quaylen to fly over to him to throw the bag into the chopper. Instead, Gabe throws the bag into the propeller and then hooks the chopper to a ladder that's attached to the mountain. As Quaylen tries to pull a John Landis on Gabe, the rope attached (laughs) to the chopper pulls against the mountain, causing Quaylen to lose control and crash against the mountain.
0: I I, I just love this idea of um, Stallone's character thinking hooking this giant helicopter to a ladder that's been just basically nailed into a mountain is going to do what, exactly? (laughs) Right.
1: Right, it's not going to stop the helicopter at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Gabe hangs onto the ladder, which gets pulled off the mountain, causing him to fall onto the chopper, which is sp- suspended by the rope upside down against the side of the mountain. Quaylen climbs out, and they wind up having a fist fight on the chopper until the rope starts to give, and Gabe kicks Quaylen for a while, has a really terrible one-liner, and then jumps off the chopper at the last second. And what is, what's falls the one-liner? Don't forget to keep your arms and legs inside oh, the vehicle man. at all times. It's, it has nothing to do with cliffhanging. No. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, there. There is a kind of there
2: is. I noticed a, a severe lack of one-liners about cliffhanging. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's one in the very beginning when Gabe says, "Oh, you know, just hanging around," <laughs> and that's kind of it. But there's there's no other cliffhanging themed puns yeah. in this movie
0: a serious like, movie, Dan. Yeah, <laughs>
2: true, Should yeah. It have
1: been like he's hanging, and like Quaylen is holding on to him or something. Of like, and like he says something like, "Thanks for hanging out, but I right. really need to let you go now." Boom. <laughs> uh,
2: or, or maybe he's. Oh no, because Rooker said uh, gravity's a bitch. Because mm-hmm. Gabe wouldn't have heard that. Because I would have been like, "Gravity's a bitch, isn't it?" <laughs> Boom, and he's gone. <laughs> but it, it would have been better if Rooker did that.
1: Remember what I said about gravity? gone but you know it, it could be worse i guess yeah it's just it's not like it was a helicopter movie <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> what, what was the movie we watched that had like a ton of helicopter explosions do you remember it was, it? It was broken like broken arrow broken arrow <laughs> yeah. now, that, that would have had some really good uh <laughs> some really good helicopter one-liners <laughs> i don't i can't think
1: of it but that, that would have been cool uh, then the FBI chopper shows up, and they plan to rescue Gabe, Hal, and Jesse off the top of the mountain. And that's how we exit this movie, and that's the end of Cliffhanger. It's so much fun. Mm, they Definitely. didn't leave it
0: on a cliffhanger? Yeah,
1: so, they should have. Yeah. I don't know how, but... <laughs>
0: know.
1: Like John
2: Lithgow's hand pops out from the, the wreckage. Like Super Shredder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end, question mark? Ooh. Classy. I like it. Yes, absolutely, in that in that <laughs> yeah. nice stylized font.
0: Yeah, and I uh I don't really know what you do to make it better. Um.
2: Yeah, I, I, with this kind of movie, I think we all kind of agree it's yeah. a uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah,
0: my my uh, I guess our only thing that we talked out about through the whole episode is maybe in this day and age you make Jesse's character a little more useful.
2: Yeah, sure. I also yeah. would have liked to have seen the helicopter ride back after Sarah dies.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that would
2: have been fun.
1: Lithgow loses his accent. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, but
0: those are like minor
1: nitpicks. to this movie. Probably get rid of the racism. Yeah. You don't need to call Leon boy.
2: No. Yeah. It's really makes it, it really has no purpose in the movie other than it's just like he's a dick and there's plenty of other ways to show that he's, he yeah, could the, be the person just killing random people. Yeah, that the, conveys the, it.
0: The only way that works and has any kind of payoffs if Leon kills him.
2: Yes. Yeah. Sure. That's or, the, and he calls him boy.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the only way it pays off is is if you know Leon ends up killing him. But if right, you know the the way the way it is, it's a very '90s, you know, before the culture even realized how bad that looked Mm -hmm. type of type of character.
1: Yeah, I mean, we weren't supposed to like that guy either. No, none of them are supposed to be liked. I think him specifically. Yeah, yeah, I had a great time with this one. It's nice to revisit this. Good Good choice,
0: Dan. Yeah. Thank you. There, yeah, there, I, there, were, there were no swords or sandals in this movie. Oh, <laughs>
2: yeah. True. And it wasn't boring. It was not a boring movie. <laughs> no, it movie. wasn't boring either.
0: No. It was a good yeah. time. You guys want to plug your shit? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, at the Aquino 122. That's uh, my personal Twitter. Uh, I also uh, am on the Real Play D&D podcast that we do, Stranger Damies. That's at Stranger Damies on Instagram. So uh, come hang out with us. And uh, that's
0: it. Yeah, so um, Stranger Damies, as Dan mentions, um, airs episodes on your favorite podcast every other Wednesday. And then we have like an interview show um, or answer questions or something in between there. Some weeks there may not be anything just for scheduling purposes. But, you know, there'll be a new episode every other week. But since we're now on um, uh, live streaming our sessions, you can watch us um, every other week uh, do two episode streams. I'm um, over at twitch.tv slash game ball pod. Um, the best thing to do is go to the Twitter account at StrangerDamies to find out the time. I think we're ch- switching time. So um, by the time you hear this, it'll either be Friday evening or still Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. Um, just a matter of the timing with this episode. Um, but yeah, the, the Twitter account will let you know. Um, and then the game ball podcast airs every other Monday. Um, so check that out on all socials, Game Vault Pod, and we are the Game Vault Podcast, or wherever you get your on all podcast services. And um, we stream uh, five nights a week on twitch.tv slash Game Vault Pod. Mondays is Tom's Retro Streams, um, where he either plays the retro roulette game or a retro game of his choice. Um, on Wednesday, we are currently doing Apex After Dark, where we play Apex Legends. Uh, Thursday, I am in the middle of the... Uh, a paper Mario stream. Um, they're just finishing up uh, six months worth of, uh, doing an RPG. Um, so be sure to come check out the game for children that I am playing currently. Um, and then, um, depending on the night we record the podcast or do stranger Damies, um, that'll be Friday and then Saturday, uh, Jen does monster Hunter rise and then Dan, um, is taking over Sundays with uh, Dan of the Wild, uh, where <laughs> Dan plays through Breath of the Wild. Um, and uh, yeah, that that's about all we have.
1: Great, and we are They Called Some Movie. You can find us on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They Called Some Movie. So Stitcher, Podbean, uh, wherever. Uh, I'm just gonna start this over again because <laughs> 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 can't get of a Podbean. Uh, great. And we are They Call This Movie. You can find us on all podcast streaming apps just by searching They called This Movie. Your favorite one. Just search for they call this movie. We will pop right up. We're themaindami.com. That's our main website where we post all our shows. Themaindami.com, and that's also our social. So themaindami on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search the and we'll pop right up. Also a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at GV, gvnation.com and on all podcast streaming apps and all social media sites. Just by searching Geek Vibes Nation. Bunch of great shows besides us bunch of great shows for your geek fix so if you're into geek stuff there's surely a show for you um if you have any questions or comments you can hit us up at the main at gmail.com if you have a second or two go on itunes go on your favorite podcast streaming app give us five stars give us a rating helps us out a great deal and we would greatly appreciate it and that's gonna wrap us up this week the movie was cliffhanger so, for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Rennie Harlan, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?